is going to preach. Okay, the reading is from Luke chapter 7, and beginning to read at verse 36. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair kissed them, and poured perfume on them. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is. She's a sinner. Jesus answered, Simon, I have something to tell you. Teach me, tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he forgave the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, well, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt, forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned towards the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. How are you all? Excited to hear what God is going to say to you, hopefully. (laughs) I'm excited. I was just filling time because Simon had to get there. (laughs) I just tidy it up as well, sorry. Unless you want to hear from Max Licardo what it means to be a child of God, what would you prefer? No, just kidding. I, I actually feel quite convicted not to use what I've prepared, and that, that, is, that is a struggle when you've spent a week preparing the sermon. Um, I feel like God is saying to me, in order that you are going to hear this message, to speak straight from what I've prepared, but not from my notes. So forgive me if it's a little bit waffly, but I'm going to ask. I'm going to do what God's asked me to do, um, not what we used to. Is that all right? Well, you're all a bit worried. <laughs> so am I. 
Um, <laughs> this passage, isn't it amazing? We have unpacked this passage time and again, and I'm sure if you've been in church circles for a long time, you've unpacked it in your life groups and you've unpacked it at church and you've unpacked it in even maybe Sunday school and children's groups. What a beautiful act of worship. But I want to say to you today that it's also an incredible act of hospitality from Jesus. And this is the depth to which I want us to get to this morning. Um, As you know, Lydia was baptised last week. Um, And we had a big party because it was her birthday and her baptism. And we didn't want to have two parties. Well, I did, but Matt didn't. He's an introvert. Um, So we had one party to cover them both. uh, And we had all our friends and family around. uh, And we thought this was a great party. We had, I mean, it's been two years, right, since we've been able to celebrate together properly. So we had a massive massive amount of chili and we had drinks and um, massive cake that we'd prepared. So maybe not the best, but... Um, it was lovely, and we have music, and the kids had actually a kids' entertainer. My sister is an actress, and so her actor friends do this sort of thing for fun um, and to make a bit of money on the side. So they came and they did kids' entertainment for these two-year-olds and sort of up to about nine-year-olds, and they made them balloon animals, and it was beautiful. It was such a good party. We got to the end, and we said to ourselves, to each other, we, ho- we hold a good party, don't we? We were so smug. And then later on, we found out that one of Lydia's little friends, he's called Levi, um, he's probably her best friend, if you can have a best friend at two years old. His mother had asked him um, when he was sitting in our lounge during the party, Levi, are you enjoying Lydia's party? And he said, when is it? (laughs) Which humbled us, as you can imagine. And before a party, we're always afraid. We're always afraid that we're not going to get to enjoy it. I don't know if you know that feeling. Like when you're the host, it's sort of like, there's a lot to do, and I've got to make sure everything happens in the right moment so that people get fed and people don't... I don't know what I think is going to happen if you're half an hour late with the food, but obviously I think my friends are quite greedy and want all their food very fast. Um, but I always get a bit worried, and, and Matt's, very, as I said, very introverted, so he's worried for different reasons. But what happened at our party is that everybody who we hadn't been able to gather together for a couple of years just got stuck in. Have you ever had those situations where your friends and your family are just all in the kitchen? In fact, they were all in the kitchen so much that at one moment I thought, please, get out of the kitchen. (laughs) I I can't do everything. You can't all fit in here to help. What an amazing gift my friends are. They were washing up. They were preparing the food. They were doing the drinks. They were making pims for everybody. It was amazing. They felt at home. They felt at home enough to use their gifts to join in. We had created space, and I cannot tell you how we'd done it, for them to use their gifts in that place and to feel like they belonged. I want you to chat to someone near you, and if they don't want to talk, please take the hint um, and just have a think for yourself about a time when you most felt at home in a strange place. Go. Come here.
Okay. When you're talking to somebody that you don't know later, you can continue your conversation about what it means to be welcomed in a strange place. Does anybody know what these three things have in common? Toilet paper, paracetamol, and pasta. Out of stock, very good. That's exactly what I mean. They are the things that were hoarded during the pandemic. Um, we had a tiny baby at that point, and we needed some cowpaw, and there was none. I think people had just gone right. There's no paracetamol. I'll go straight for the cowpaw instead. Um, there was nothing. And to me, that is the polar opposite of what it means to be welcoming and hospitable. The hoarding, the selfish nature of, oh no, what if I lose out here? And how have we got to a point in our society, in our Western cult culture, where that is our instinct? Not, oh no, what do people need? Now, so much during the pandemic happened where we gave to those that needed. We gave our time, uh, we delivered... Um, prescriptions and we took people to hospital perhaps or you know people were very very giving in that time too but I think the instinct at the very first moment during that was that we responded with ourselves in mind and that is the opposite of what Jesus calls us to in hospitality there is another story I want to tell you uh, when I was 19 I went to India for the very first time on my gap year and while we were there, a youth pastor from Australia came to visit. Uh, he came to visit and to teach in the Bible school that they had. And so we were essentially young people. So we latched onto this guy and he taught us loads of things about the Bible. And we just spent every sort of gap between teaching with him. And we were just like, we can learn so much about Jesus from this man. Um, he was, he, as I said, he was from Australia. He was engaged to be married. And on his way to the Bible school one day, he was involved in, an, in a road traffic accident and he died. Now, he, of course, was away from home and this was really tragic. We, as 19-year-olds, with no clue really what we were doing, where we were, um, were, were quite traumatised by that. And so our pastor called us up and they said, come over. And we were like, ooh, but you're dealing with this too and we're not sure whether we should go. We really grappled with whether we should go over. But as we went over, they opened the door to us and they hugged us and they embraced us. And we all wept together and we prayed together and we shared tea together in our pain and in our suffering. And that hospitality, as we see Jesus do it, is where you meet people in their pain and in their suffering. The woman that comes to Jesus to wash his feet is weeping. She is leading a sinful life and I bet she knows it. But she knows that this man has something more for her and she is willing to go against all the customs of the day to come in and to worship him. Where have you felt most at home in a strange place? Is it just because you are in a foreign land? Or is it because you go somewhere and you're feeling uncomfortable in a space. Perhaps it's somewhere you've been before many, many times. Dare I say it, perhaps it's church. And you come with your pain and you come with your suffering. And the moment you feel welcomed, the moment that you are the guest of hospitality, is when your pain and your suffering is recognized and not shunned. And you can stand in that moment together. 
and you meet Jesus in that place. The custom of the day was that the host should wash the, uh, have his servants wash the feet of the guest, at least offer water, put oil on the head. But what does the host do? Jesus says, nothing. What does Simon the Pharisee do? He doesn't offer those things. So they're reclining at the table. And again, in those days, they wouldn't have been at a nice dining table like I'm sure you all have. They would have been on the floor, leaning on an elbow, eating with the other hand, legs sort of somehow, I do not know how, splayed out behind them. doesn't sound like the most comfortable way to eat, but that's what they did. And the feet were behind them so that they weren't near the food, right? Because they're walking in dust. They're dirty. They're disgusting. So this woman that comes is able to come in and tend to Jesus' feet because they're out behind him. Does he tell her to go away? Please go away. I'm eating right now. I'm having a chat with these Pharisees right now, with these people who have invited me in. Please go away. Does he do that? No. Does he quietly just, please get out of here, or just ignore her? No. He allows her to anoint his feet, to weep over them, and to dry them with her hair. The very act of the host. And yet she is the one who comes with nothing to offer. She is pouring very expensive perfume on his feet, not just water. I don't know how many of you like to put your perfume on your feet before you get ready to go out. No, I didn't think so. I'm not wasting that on my feet. But she wasted it on Jesus' feet. Was it a waste? No, it was worship. Jesus, in that moment, is almost a guest to her, but he's the ultimate host. The ultimate act of hospitality is that Christ came. God came in human form to welcome us in. To say to us, There is nothing you can do that will keep me from you, that will keep you from me. Come with everything you have and worship me. It's enough. If God, who is divine, can say to us, come to me, you are welcome with me. How on earth can we ever shun somebody else in need, in their pain and in their suffering. God welcomes us in. There's a Catholic priest called Henri Nguyen who I absolutely love to read his work. He's a theologian and he says this, hospitality is not a subtle invitation to adore the lifestyle of the host, but it is an invitation and it is a gift of a chance for the guest to find their own. For the guests to find their life means it's not about adoring what we offer, adoring what we provide. Hospitality is more than a great party. It's more than a hello at the door. Because, let's be honest, I bet Simon did say hello when Jesus arrived at his house. It's more than that. It's to open our arms wide enough that there's sacrifice involved for our lives. That there is perhaps a risk involved. 
And it doesn't have to be having someone around for a meal, although if you look through the Gospels, Jesus loves people into his kingdom one meal at a time. One moment of hospitality at a time when he meets the woman at the well who has led a sinful life. He stops and he meets her in her pain. When he heals blind Bartimaeus on the roadside, he stops long enough to notice the pain. Again and again and again, Jesus is creating moments of hospitality that go beyond what we perhaps have become accustomed to in the West. Our extravagant parties, our correctly folded napkins, which, by the way, if anybody wants a lily, I got you. I learned at the age of 12 how to fold a lily on a napkin, and I cannot tell you really why, (laughs) but to make me a good host, right? No. I can assure you I do not fold our napkins into lilies anymore. Jesus loves people into his kingdom through his acts of hospitality. Who are we loving into God's kingdom? You see, hospitality is intricately connected, I believe, with evangelism. If you are loving somebody in in the same way that Jesus loves people, they're going to want to know, what is different about you? And your answer is Jesus. He calls us to this radical level of hospitality. But we don't get to hospitality without worship first. We have to pour out our hearts in worship to recognize the gift of hospitality of God. Worship and hospitality will see the fruit of people coming to faith. You can be a great host without Jesus. I'm sure you've been to friends' parties and birthdays and celebrations where they don't know Jesus, but it was a great party. So what makes it different? The difference is that you know the generous, extravagant hospitality of a divine God in your own life. What if preaching the gospel and sharing the gospel wasn't just inviting somebody to a conference? What if it was more than that? What if it was welcoming a family into your home who you've always had the intention of inviting but haven't quite made it because you've always got somebody else around who's a closer friend? Or what if it's stopping long enough at the supermarket checkout to talk to the cashier? Or when you're getting frustrated, let's modernise this, when you're getting frustrated at the self-checkout and you're looking for the person to come and talk to you to to do their thing where they just type in loads of numbers and then they clear your checkout and you can go again. What if you actually spoke to that person? What if instead of going to the bus stop, putting your earphones in, you sat and saw if somebody wanted to talk to you? The hospitality of listening is a bold thing and can change lives. Perhaps it's meeting with your friend who is in pain, who is suffering, that you feel you don't quite have the words, so you just haven't met with them. Or 
perhaps it's not that you just haven't met with them because you don't have the words, but you don't have the capacity. You feel like you're, you're wrung out, you're dried up of any sense of being able to love them even more in their pain. That is the moment that Christ calls us to love, to become the host. But do not forget that you cannot become the host unless you know that you are a guest in God's kingdom. You are the guest first of a most divine God who loves you with an abundant love. If we as a community are going to live, I was meant to say this at the beginning because I you know, went, <laughs> went rogue. If we're going to live out the values of what we believe God has called us to as a church, we are going to have to take some risks. If we're going to go deeper in those values, if we're going to go deeper to understand all that God has called us to, individually but also as a community, to challenge the culture that says individuality is the way forward, independence is the way forward, and say, actually, no, we go together. If we're going to do those things, we need to know that we are loved abundantly by God. That he is the greatest host of all. Let's pray. Jesus, you are the greatest of all hosts. We see it in how you transform that woman's life in this scripture by allowing her to worship you. By meeting her in her pain. And by challenging the culture of the time. Give us hearts that are poured out in worship to you. Holy Spirit, would you come and give us hearts that are poured out in worship to you. Show us daily how we can create wide open spaces for people to meet with you. Teach us to love deeply in the midst of pain and suffering. And if we are the ones that need your love today, Lord, that need your hospitality today, may we recognize that as we come to the table, you do not shun us. You do not send us away, but you invite us to worship you and live a life free from our sin. May we as a community love because you first loved us. In the almighty, vulnerable, beautiful name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.
I think we're singing a song. I think the kids are coming back. Yeah, can we all stand if they're able? <laughs>